Hour number two of Canuck Central here in the Kintech studio. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler. A proud family-owned BC company helping local business since 1892. Um, so I, I, I'm sitting in the, uh, in the bullpen there today, Sat, getting ready for the show. I was down a uh, YouTube rabbit hole of watching uh, Brazilian Ronaldo, the real Ronaldo. The real Ronaldo. Uh, it's his birthday today, so <laughs> bon compleano, Ronaldo. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, I look at, there's a little like uh, beer fridge Yeah. in, in the uh, 650 uh, green room, whatever you want to call it, bullpen area. And I mean, it's been there forever. There's never beer in it, but because it's a workplace, of yeah. course. Um, but there's been a box of pizza pops in there. Yes. Uh, I think since prior to... Like, you know, the world shutting down in 2019. Yeah. We may have had a politician on the airwaves <laughs> as a sports radio host when that was there. <laughs> and so I had this, like, thought in my head, like, would you eat this? I mean, I wouldn't normally eat yeah. pizza pops to begin with, but um, would you eat this? Uh, w- would you eat potentially three-year-old pizza pops that have been in a fridge, not a freezer? No. No. Why would somebody eat that? I don't know. If you were in a pinch? No. Okay. I no. Producer Josh? No. I saw the stuff growing on it. <laughs> I was oh. out immediately. It so was like black, was it? I, I pulled the box out eventually. And uh it was disgusting. <laughs> it's like nobody's decided to look at this for three years. I've had food in that fridge and now I'm worried about it. Yeah, I don't know. I got I, I went and got a couple of things before the, sh- the show started and I put them in the fridge. I'm going to take home with me after the show because the Browns game is at 515. Mm-hmm. So as soon as the show is over today, I'm going to boogie home so I'll be home by the time the game starts. So I figured I'd get a couple of things before the show instead of after yep, the show. Yep. So I have a couple of things in the fridge. So now I'm I'm terrified. <laughs> <laughs> about what what's going to happen. I mean, I've put stuff in it before. So is this like one of those ignorance is bliss type yeah, things? I like think you so. would have preferred that I never touch the pizza yeah, pops box? Yeah, because now that you opened it, maybe something got out of it. <laughs> if you just left it alone, it would have been fine. Like it's been fine so oh, it far. Was, it was half open. Like the box was open mm. this entire time. Two of the four pizza pops had been eaten at yes, a previous They had time. been consumed at a previous, previous, yeah. uh, previous time. Which, which grown person brings pizza pops to work, <laughs> to work anyways? That's a legitimate question. And puts it in the work fridge and leaves it there for, for years upon oh, years. Also, who puts it in the fridge? <laughs> yes. They're supposed to be in the freezer. That's a great point. Yes. The work fridge is often like, uh, it's the great unknown in the work fridge. I think this is like a a communal feeling for most offices. You know, that the work fridge is just, there's going to be some yeah. dicey things in the work fridge from time to Gross. time. Terrible. It's not great. No. All right. Um, so let's get back in on, uh, Canucks preseason coverage. Training camp started today. Uh, preseason coverage of the Canucks on sports at 650 is brought to you by black and Lee suiting up has never been easier with suits and tuxedos in a modern wide range of colors, styles, and fits black and Lee.com. The decor. We got to see some interesting pairs today. Oliver Ekman, Larson, and Quinn Hughes were together, as we all 
new. The worst kept secret of the offseason. Yes. The worst kept secret of the offseason came true today. Quinn Hughes and Oliver Ekman Larson played together. So we're starting to see if that can work, if the experiment will wind up working and be a thing on night one of the season. But we've long wondered what that meant for the rest Mm -hmm. of the decor. And to start out today, Tyler Myers was paired with PTO veteran defenseman Danny DeKaiser. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, initially, the first thing you think about is what does that mean for Danny DeKaiser and his opportunity? And I think what it shows is right off the bat, he's getting a legitimate opportunity to show if he can still play in the National Hockey League. There's no like, hey, you know, ease into it. Let's see what happens and work your way up and and we'll see if you can be a player for us. It's like, hey, we're going to find out if you can do this or not. And if Quinn Hughes sticks on the right side, then you need a left-handed defenseman that can play on the PK a little bit and, yeah. and also be decent defensively. Hey, could you have a different type of player too that's just good? Yes, but when your options are, are just Jack Rathbone and Travis Dermott, neither guy really screams second pair defenseman yet. Mm-hmm. You know, Dermott maybe maybe he shows he's capable. It's his time, so to speak, after some some years of experience. Rathbone is just not there yet. You know, yeah. if he plays, it's likely on the third period. He's going to have to ease into it as time goes on. So there's an opportunity here for DeKaiser if he shows he he's the same player he was a couple of years ago. We mentioned a lot about his PK ability. That's there. But essentially, it comes down to how does he skate. And putting it with Myers, where he's going to get exposed a couple of times, is really going to show how he can keep up in that situation. Because that's what you're, that's your, you're, you're, you're trying to do a bit of a stress test. Yeah. How do you handle the stress of this type of situation? And you're going to find out pretty quickly when he's playing with Tyler Myers early in the preseason. I, I think this is the biggest thing about it. Kind of like Kuzmenko, like, hey, uh, we're going to put you with our most talented offensive player, or at least, you know, right there with JT Miller or Elias Patterson, and we'll see how it works. I, I don't – I think this is that, you know? Like, let's get Danny DeKaiser – into a big spot. We know yeah. Myers is going to play big minutes for us again this year. Let's see if he can handle this. Because what's the main reason you are bringing DeKaiser on? It's to see if he can jump up the lineup in a pinch if injuries happen, to play penalty kill minutes. And I think finding out if he can work with Myers is ultimately what you need to know if it's worth giving him a standard player contract. Yeah. I personally, I don't know. I, I don't have a great feeling that this is going to be something that works given how DeKaiser has lost some of his mobility due to all the injuries he suffered through his career. For me, I think that spot ends up being Travis Dermott's to lose, assuming yeah. Quinn and OEL play together. That's probably the odds on favorite. Yeah. He's probably the odds on favorite. The question, though, is if Pullman's ready, and the suggestions seem to be he is, he's playing, and he's been playing in training camp, and uh, and Rutherford hinted towards him being fine and referenced him and all that sort of stuff. So if Pullman's ready to go and Myers is playing and Hughes is on the right side, what does that do with, to Luke Shen? Yeah. Now, he's a righty that can play the left side, and I guess what you could do is put Shen and Myers together and see if you can work that out or something like that. I guess Oof. maybe that's something you use experiment with or something. Oh, hey. But but what did what does what did Rutherford keep, Rutherford keep saying about Pullman? 
he might be able to play in top four. Yeah. If he's healthy. So does that not kind of hint towards them maybe trying to test out Pullman and Dermott to see if those guys can kind of handle a bit of a bigger role together as a pairing? It's uh, it, it is an interesting one, you know, because the, then you can kind of like shelter Myers a little bit. He's yeah. still being used on the PK. You know, he's still a guy that it, it can help you out a little bit in certain ways. But maybe you're more selective in how you use him at even strength. He's coming off the best defensive season of his career. But yeah, but it was playing alongside OEL, and that was kind of the staple of where yeah. he played. And if anything, then maybe you feel okay with putting in with Shen, two guys that can kind of, you know, Myers will be the one that's going to be out of position a little bit every once in a while, where Shen will stay back, and, and there'll be a big physical de-pairing. And yeah, in the postseason, that's not ideal, but as far as the regular season goes, maybe that's what they go back to. Because I just don't know, looking at Rathbone and Shen right now, if Pullman's ready, I mean, you can't have eight defensemen play. No. So where 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 is that fit going to happen? So ultimately, I'm with you. I think what what we see is um, De Kaiser probably not get signed, and Dermot gets that spot. But it's still a big question mark about you know the, where does Shen play and where does Rathbone play, and where is that kind of battle going to be? The biggest question for Tucker Pullman for me to, to see if he can fill a bigger role for this team assuming he remains healthy and is able to, to get through training camp. I, I, I'd want to see if he could hold down a spot with Quinn Hughes and be like more mobile Luke Shen. Yeah, Dermot. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing with Dermot, though, is... Uh, Pullman. Pullman, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I think they tried that at times yeah. last year a little bit. But I I think the problem with Pullman is he, he won't stay back the way you need with Quinn. Yeah. And he's not good enough offensively. I think, like I said about Pullman, he's got to reel it in a little bit. Like, you want guys to be assertive. Yeah. He just kind of has to reel it in a little bit. Because ultimately, like, yes, Shen, we know Shen and Hughes can work, and it, it it's fine. But, you know, Shen will get exposed at times. He's just not quick enough. Yeah. If you play against faster teams, that's going to be a problem. It's going to put more stress on Quinn, and they're yeah. going to get scored on because... Shen is unable to handle those types of minutes. So ultimately, like, can Tucker Pullman just be more mobile Luke Shen? Like, make the smart play, get the puck to Quinn, make the game simple, don't, you know, go on these crazy hero rushes and, like, just stay in your lane. And and, and that's it. Can Pullman be better Luke Shen? That would yeah. be a way that Pullman can, you know, at least – come close to living up to the two and a half million bucks. And I think that's something they'll try at some point, especially when Pullman establishes himself and maybe it's not always working with OEL and, and Hughes if they if they do start the season together. But I, I think what they're looking for, it's cl- clearly is an edge. Yeah. Because last year, as much as OEL and Myers worked, they weren't excelling. Like mm-hmm. they were good, but they weren't like outside of a stretch where they were one of the best defensive pairs they were still kind of struggling towards one point and they ended up being above average, but they weren't like amazing. And it's they good had a really good stretch. Then they had a really bad stretch. stretch. It, it, like it wasn't like just, there wasn't a time where they were just like good. Yeah. And by, and by the end of the season in, in the aggregate, it was still good and positive, yeah. but it wasn't amazing. You didn't give this team this massive kind of edge. And as good as Hughes and Shen were, and last year to give Shen credit, Hughes's best partner was Shen. 
mm-hmm. of all the players he played with, he played the best with Chen. But even so, it didn't maximize Quinn Hughes. It didn't maximize the ability. So you're still left with a position where it's like our, pa- our defense was okay, our top four was okay, and we got away with it. We weren't creating an edge at even strength. The only way you create an edge on even strength is somebody just developing. We mentioned this, Dermot or Rathbone. Or it's really OEL and, and, my, and Hughes together. And one of the points I made yesterday was, I don't know how much better your team is with Hughes playing the right side. And I think I can amend that a little bit and say that the team could be a lot better if OEL excels playing alongside Quinn Hughes and that pairing becomes like a bona fide one of the best pairings in the league. If they do that, the value in creating one of the best pairs in the league is greater than having an average top four. Yeah. Because you're splitting guys up. And if you can kind of piece it together the rest of the way, you can get away with it a little bit. You know what I mean? You kind of, Myers is good enough that he's not going to play 15 minutes. He'll still play 18 minutes a game. And Pullman and Dermott maybe play 18, 19 minutes a game. And those guys play 22, 23, 24, 25 at times. And you really lean on those two players. And when they're on the ice, they're going to control the play. And if you have a pair that's going to control play that way, and then you have your forward group, you know, really rolling with four lines and you have three scoring lines, well, now all of a sudden you're going to establish yourself as one a really good regular season team. Again, yeah. playoffs and matchups, you're going to have some holes and issues to deal with. But as far as getting through the regular season and being a good regular season team, that's the best case scenario, I think, in terms of maximizing the reason you're putting OEL and 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 uh, Hughes together. This whole left side battle is is developing into one of the bigger storylines of camp. You know, um, because as you mentioned, if if Quinn and OEL does work out, uh, you'd like to keep mm-hmm. it and see what it can do at least for the first five, ten games yeah. of the season, right? Um, so then you have this awkward <laughs> extra guy on the right side, right? Pullman, mm-hmm. Shen, Burroughs ultimately ends up being surplus to requirements. Yeah. But you're making a decision between Pullman and Shen still as to who's your sixth defenseman. And on the left side, who are you playing Rathbone with? Or is Rathbone destined for the AHL again? You know, that's... These are that's a pretty big question mark for this team now. Well, I mean, even even if even if you say um, De Kaiser doesn't stick, yeah, where is the space for Rathbone in your top six? Is he playing ahead of Shen? Is Shen getting healthy? Scratch? I think he's playing with Shen. But but no, but I'm saying like even so, like how are, how are you playing him with Shen? Are you, are you healthy scratching Myers then? No. Are you healthy scratching Dermot or Pullman? We just talked about them being a pair potentially. So I just don't know. Like, unless somebody gets injured or something, like, who is he playing ahead of? Luke Shen or Pullman? Is, if, is Pullman if everybody's healthy and ready to go, who is Jack Rathbone playing ahead head of in that top six? It would be Shen. That, yeah. that would be the, your answer at this point, wouldn't it? Yeah. With all the talk they've had about Pullman and how they think he's top four and how they want to test him out. If he's healthy to go and Rathbone earns a spot, it's, it is probably at Shen's cost. But I still am not sure... That's what we see when the season starts. But again, hey, it was day one of training camp. These guys have to play, and they have scrimmage coming up tomorrow, and there's more coming up on Saturday. But really, it begins on Sunday when you start looking at the preseason and how these guys start looking. Um, so a couple of things on some of the other parts of training camp that were uh, some level of interesting. Um, Besser scoring 30 goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said he was asked, like, it, it, essentially, is this the year you you break that thirty goal mark? 
He hasn't done it. He's had seasons where he's paced 30 goals over an 82-game stretch, but fell short because of injury yeah. or otherwise. And this year, he says, this is the year. This is the year I can get to 30 goals. I love the confidence from Brock. Uh, he did just seem like in a better spot right now, and his focus is as much as it can be on on hockey right now. Yeah, and it just the vibes just seem too good around Brock Besser right now, you know. Yeah. And and maybe it's because it was so it was so bad around it, and you you hear the stories and and how tough it was for him and his family with Duke's passing and all that sort of stuff. So you realize how heavy that entire situation was. So because of how low it was, you have you can't help but be more optimistic about it and look ahead and. And 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 kind of look and, and think that things will work out for him, or at least be better than they were last year. But I don't think it being better means all of a sudden he's going to go out and score, you know, forty goals or get like a hundred points or whatever. And then hey, well, watch him have this type of year, yeah. and he does that. But but if you just look at his projections and his age and how everything's coming together, there's no reason to believe why Brock Besser is not going to have a bounce back season this year, and at the very least get to that 30 goal mark. As long as he's healthy, he should be scoring 30 goals. But the mindset's the right one. He has that mindset. Demko had the mindset yesterday, you know, stopping himself, correcting himself, and saying when we make the playoffs instead of if we make the playoffs. They have the mindset seems to be a good one heading into training camp. Is that one of the stories of training camp? Like the, the confidence of this team, uh, uh, the unfinished, unfinished business thing. That's a joke. I mean, I'm joking apparently about that, the, yeah. the the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, also have unfinished business. The, Listen, the Stanley I, Cup runners up. Of course, every single team ha- has the same slogans over the years that get reused. Yeah. We are all Canucks. I think that we are all Islanders was a thing back in the <laughs> 70s or 80s. I mean, these things. We are all Maple Leafs. No, yeah, we're not. No, no. They get regurgitated. All these things get, get you know changed or whatever. It's, they're slogans. They're to sell T-shirts. They're to inspire they're guys. Marketing. They're marketing, but also it is a rallying cry to some degree. You know what I mean? Because as much as people laugh about these things, there's always a central message about what this year is about from a coach and an organization to the players. You know, and more so the players themselves in the group. And they have a message about how we feel about this year, what we're really trying to establish this year. You know, one year was grit, right? Like, that's what we want to be this year. This year, it's like we rally around unfinished business. We've been together. We have to prove it this year. These are just things that help motivate and, and help establish, you know, just frameworks of how you're approaching this year with your mindset. So I think it, that's just a mindset thing. But a, a positive one it's not just empty ones you hear in the past about players. Yeah, I want to have a good season. I think this is the year. It seems like there's more conviction in that belief. And I wonder if that's just talk or if that's part of the maturation we've been waiting for for a lot of these individual players. What did JT Miller say the other day? These guys aren't young. Our young guys aren't young anymore. Yeah. We've been waiting for these guys to grow up, right? And if you mm-hmm. believe in the core players, when do they establish themselves? When do they come together? When do they know how to be professional every game? When do they know and realize how to prepare themselves and have the right practice habits and have the right mindset, something JT's continually talked about? And if those things are coming together, well, you can get excited about the season. You can get excited about these guys bouncing back. But you got to prove it. This is the year a lot of these guys have to prove that. They are all saying the right things, and, and hey, maybe it's just cliche hockey talk, but there is a confidence about them that I think has carried over, and maybe that speaks to what Bruce Boudreaux said yesterday. Yeah, sure, we didn't make the playoffs, but we started to believe in ourselves. And you think about 
last year's training camp, and it did have a different vibe mm-hmm. than so far what we've seen out of this group. It's the playoffs or bust mentality. And even for JT Miller, it's like, no, we're competing for the Stanley Cup. Like, he's he's not settling for anything less, you know? Um, it would be easy to just say bare minimum is the playoffs. No, JT, like, his message continues to be every single day. Like, yeah. no, we want to win the Stanley Cup. We're competing for the Stanley Cup. We don't compete for anything else. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I love that about, about JT. And we see that kind of reverberating through the squad ultimately yeah like their words may mean nothing if they come out of the gate and lose you know 12 of the first 15 games or something like that but it it does feel like there is an air of confidence in this group that did not exist a year ago yeah yeah, it does seem that way. You know yeah. what I mean? And all we can kind of judge on is day one of training camp. But like we mentioned, it's day one. But even all week. Like it the messages been. from the players all week has has been sort of the same. It has been. No, it and has it been. carried over from the end of last season, too. It has. Like if, if you want to be optimistic about the Canucks, believe that they figured something out last year, not just on the ice, but also from – uh, a professionalism standpoint that they are putting together this year and getting started with. 100%. However, the one thing I will say again, how many times over the past couple of years did we say these guys are saying all the right things? Yeah. And then they, they did not do all the right things. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm not being pessimistic about it, but I'm I'm at a point where it's like, show me. Yeah, you guys know me. I'm I'm optimistic generally. You know, I I see a lot of good things. Now your glass half empty. You said <laughs> yeah. Quinn Hughes and OEL don't make the team better. No. So, but I I think overall though, um, a lot of this year is also going to be show us. Yeah, you know, like hey Pedersen, show that you are a top line player, the player we believe in. Besser, show that you are a thirty goal scorer. This core, show you can compete. Show you can establish yourself. Show you can be a playoff team. Show you can play a more mature game. Show that you can be be prepared every night. And show us that you're not going to have a a three or four game stretch against teams like Detroit and Buffalo in the most critical part of the season where you lay an egg and don't show up and don't have the emotional energy you need to win those hockey games. It's time to show that you can do those things. It's Canuck Central, Dan Richo, and Satyar Shah. Coming up next, John Garrett. Cheech. Back from his summer off. We'll talk to Cheech next on Canuck Central. Canuck Central final segment coming to you from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star, 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 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. It's uh, day one of training camp, and we've already broken down the Canucks roster from every which possible place you possibly can. Um. I know one thing a lot of listeners are interested in, Sat, is uh, if we really want to dive deep into the Canucks organization. Will Lockwood Mm -hmm. played uh, today with uh, Phil DiGiuseppe and Sheldon Dries. 
Uh, Will Lockwood played NHL games for this team last year. Yeah. But uh, it seems like he's destined to continue working on his game in the AHL to start the year. It seems that way. Yeah. You know, it seems like he's one of those guys that, I mean, because look at the forward group battle. It's too good. Now, if Hoaglander does start the season in the AHL, then you need a 13 forward. Then all of a sudden, Will Lockwood, Phil DiGiuseppe, your boy, and guys like that could factor into the equation as a 13 yeah. forward. Uh, let's bring in our next guest. He's back from uh, the summer of Cheech. It's John Garrett. What's happening? <laughs> I was watching the Blue Jays. You're interrupting my Blue Jay game here. It's three, and the Jays it, have come back. To, it's 3-3 now. They yeah. had uh, two home runs last inning. And, and uh, you know, with Merrifield. Uh, okay. Run, so. This is ultimately the biggest question for any Blue Jays fan right now, Cheech. Yes. Do you like or dislike the home run jacket? Uh, I, I don't mind it. Yeah, uh, and you look around the league, and and a lot of teams have different things now. They, the Orioles have that big chain that they throw around the home run hitters. I, the jacket is kind of nice, and I like the fact that uh, every nationality is represented on the jacket. Right, and I I think that's a a good team bonding sort of thing, and uh, the excitement when guys who don't normally hit home runs, like Whit Merrifield, hit one and. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez, who has been struggling at the plate, he hit one right before him, and he's the guy that puts the jacket on him. I, I think that's kind of nice. Uh, like the San Jose thing that's going on right now with uh, uh, they're playing in Czech and yeah. uh, for the NHL, and uh, the Czech Hockey Federation is saying that they're trying to prevent the Russian players on the team from coming over. I'm sure they'll relent. But San Jose saying that, you know, we're all going to go. If we're going as a team, the team is going or we're not going. Mm-hmm. And I, I like the solidarity and, and I like the fact that uh, if the NHL has allowed Russian players to play, which they obviously have, uh, I think the NHL has to back the San Jose Sharks and say, okay, uh, the games will be postponed or the games will be played in North America if you're not going to allow the Russian players on the teams. Uh, to participate. Well, I mean, for a league that, in every league, that is obsessed with um, um, the integrity of the game, how can you how can you have the integrity of the game be there if you're not allowing one team to play a bunch of their critical players in a competition that matters in the standings? Yeah, yeah. Uh, games that actually count for points. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't get it, and I, I'm glad Mike Greer and the Sharks are... are Taking a stand. Yeah, no, I understand. It's one of those. It's one of those tricky things, right? Because yeah. if you're going to play games in Europe right now, with, with what is going on, it's a very delicate balance. So, uh, what do you think of the Canucks this year, Cheech? <laughs> I like them. I, I like them. And uh, there's spots, obviously, where uh, you look at their season last year and and their needs, and they still talk about the defense. And I I still have questions about uh, that space between Quinn Hughes and the next guy. Uh, okay, who's the second defenseman? Who's the third defenseman? And uh, you look at last year, how it played out. There was Quinn Hughes, and then the next most minutes was Oliver Ekman-Larsen, and the next most minutes, very close, was Tyler Myers. So is Tyler Myers your second defenseman? and it, Or is Oliver Ekman-Larsen? And uh, to me, that's the gap 
that they are looking to fill is is that next uh, behind Quinn Yu, somebody who and nothing against uh, Tyler Myers was I thought his best season last year. Played all 82 games and, and played a lot every situation. Uh, I thought he he was very good. Uh, Oliver Ekman Larson got better as the season went on. Uh, but are they at the stage of their game? Are they a number two defenseman on most teams? Mm-hmm. They're probably three or four. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the area. But uh, the penalty kill, uh, your power plays in the top 10, and the penalty kill was 30th. So they get Mikheyev, and uh, he's a great penalty killer, and uh, that should help. Uh, they've got more depth up front, more choices now. Uh, Kuzmenko and uh, with Mikheyev and Pod Colson, and I, I think that'll help Pod Colson in particular, having those other two guys on the team. And uh, although he did very well adapting by himself, uh, I think that'll probably help him. I, I think they've got some depth up front and uh, down the middle. You look at their three centermen that they're trotting out. That's pretty darn good. If, if you've got those three guys uh, as your centermen with uh, Miller, Pedersen, and Bo Horvat as your top three, and then Curtis Lazar as uh, your checking shutdown guy, a penalty killer, and I, I like the forwards, and uh, you got Thatcher. And I, th- I think that's why the uh, people who are, are picking uh, the Canucks, and now everybody's predicting where they're going to finish, and, and a lot of people, and the ones that I've looked at have said fifth in the Pacific. Well, uh, who's? I don't think there's – I think the Canucks will surprise some people. Yeah. That's for sure. I, I don't know if you can put I – don't, I don't put four teams ahead of the Canucks in the Pacific personally. You know, like I, I, I get the argument for um, Calgary and Edmonton, obviously, with the years that they had. But I don't know if I put, you know, necessarily. I mean, I know LA had a better year, but I'm not sure LA's better than Vancouver. I'm not sure Vegas is better than well, Vancouver. Who's playing with goal goalie. for yeah. for the Vegas Golden Knights? Yeah, I mean they have a Loren chance. Brassois. <laughs> I mean, you know, Cheech, I'm with you. I think they have Vancouver's a Vancouver's ch- own. Yeah. I think they have it's a true. chance, you know, to get that third spot in the Pacific. I think that's very much up for grabs. And who knows what else, depending on how the season goes. Maybe it doesn't go well for Edmonton or Calgary, and they come back to the pack a little bit. I mean, that's what, that's what the season is for. But as far as preparing for this year, Cheech, and we saw the impact that Bruce Boudreau had uh, in the regular season when he came and took over the squad, how beneficial will it be for him to reinforce his message and you know, get this team going to start the season and build on what they did last year? Like, how beneficial beneficial can it be for him to have training camp and be in full control this year? Oh, I really think, and I, I think the attitude that he has, and uh, even though the schedule is tough at the start of the season, when he came in, uh, what was it? You win two of three. Wasn't that his model? That mm-hmm. you, you win week by week, and there's usually three games in every week. Or win the week. Sometimes four. Yeah. Win the week. And if you can get that motto instilled, and he did it in the second half of the season, it, right from training camp, and if you can get the guys to believe in that and, and to really use that as motivation, and you win the week. And then you're not struggling with, and, and Bruce talked about it, down the stretch, if you happen to lose four in a row, you're not a position where that four in a row losing streak is going to put you out of the playoffs. And he used Edmonton as an, as an example. And you look at Edmonton's start last year, and then uh, what, before they fired Dave Tippett, they just went in the tank. And uh, they still they had such a uh, pot of 
wins to start the season that they were able to survive that and then continue on after the coaching change. But uh, you get the start, and, and Bruce, you look at his record wherever he's been. The team's uh, President's Trophy in Washington, those teams mm-hmm. that start well and, and just continue on. John Garrett, our guest. So you mentioned the defense. Um, you think it's the right move to have Hughes on the right side, or um, why not just stick with what works, Quinn Hughes and Luke Shen? Well, <laughs> I, I, I hate to say it, but I, I think they're trying to say that Luke Shen will be, his ice time will be cut down and, and he'll be used as they thought at the start of last season. Mm-hmm. They thought that Luke Shen would be used as a physical presence, and uh, he's a good penalty killer, he's a smart player, a great team guy. Uh, but I don't think they want Luke Shen to be in the 17- to 20-minute range. Yeah. And if you can get Quinn Hughes to play the other side, and then you can match him with one of the Oliver Rackman Larson or whoever you want to play on the other side uh, instead of Luke Shen. And as much as I like Luke, his skating is, is questionable and his – offensive talents and uh, if you had two guys instead of just Quinn as the offensive thrust on that pair then it would take some of the pressure off him and and make it harder to defend against Quinn and I think that's uh, probably their mindset going into this yeah and you, you know it's interesting because a guy like Jack Rathbone if Hughes stays has a chance to be on the third pair and has a chance to make this team if not then you know, Luke Shen can maybe find himself playing his offside. I mean, it becomes really interesting looking at the players the Canucks have on their back end and Danny DeKaiser being there because there is no perfect fit for the rest of those D pairs outside of Hughes and OEL if, if they're actually D pair together. So, I mean, I think this is going to be pretty fluid as they figure that mix out over the course of the preseason, whereas the forward group, I think that's going to be pretty much static for the rest of the preseason. Yeah, me too. And, uh, you know, Travis Dermott and Tucker Pullman and, and even Kyle Burroughs is a guy that offers a different part of the game. And uh, you have to have that element in your team and on your team so that the other guys have to keep their heads up when they play against you. And uh, I, I don't know. You get by the four guys or the three guys on the blue line. And then it does become, okay, who's going to have the best camp. Do you think the the Canucks needed more of a physical presence? Cheech? I feel like they, they, they are trying to add that with, uh, you know, Dakota Joshua and maybe, uh, you know, they, they have the guys on D that you mentioned, but did they need more of a physical presence uh, after last season? Uh I, I don't know. After Bruce took over and you play more of a, a puck control game and, and, and I mean, their winning percentage, what were they, 17 games over 500 or something? The 649 yeah. win percentage. Uh, I, I think that the physical part, there are certain teams that when you play against them, you have to be ready. And I think Minnesota was one of the teams that the Canucks played against that mm-hmm. Uh, Delorier and those guys uh, that's the kind of game where you say going into it you have to have a physical presence because you know you're going to get ground down and I, I think just to have that ability to put a couple guys in the lineup that you know are, are going to show the other team that okay yeah we've got the talent and we also have the physical presence where you're not going to intimidate us now as far as 
biggest intrigue for you? Mikheyev and Kuzmenko are playing with Pedersen. I mean, we've seen now Pearson, Miller, and Besser are staying together at least to start off with. Put Coles and Garland uh, and um, uh, and Horvat are together on a line. And Danny DeKaiser gets a chance with Tyler Myers. Uh, out of all those things that we're seeing, what intrigues you the most to start training camp? Uh, I I think the Mikheyev and and uh, Kuzmenko, I, I think especially Kuzmenko, Mikheyev you've seen him. I I haven't seen Kuzmenko enough. I've just seen highlights and and clips of him uh, to really see what he's about. But obviously the scouts all like him. You look at how he was pursued by so many teams, and yet you have to see it. You have you have to see it done on the North American rinks. And I think that's going to be, and he, he's an older guy, so it, it's not like some kid coming over and he's going to be intimidated. Uh, I'm really looking forward to, uh, I think he's going to be the guy that he might just surprise a lot of people. It feels like uh, we're, we're getting you know, the old Elias Pettersson back, at least uh, the one we saw, you know, have, have a lot of success against Vegas in that playoff series that seems... Uh, a uh, hundred years ago now, but um, you know Miller Miller might have a running mate for for a guy who can uh, be the leading scorer on this team. Oh, I I think the Canucks would love that, and I think Elias obviously would love it. And uh, I don't think there's anybody who would think that uh, Elias at his best would not lead this team in scoring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't think there's any doubt that uh, if he gets off to a good start and if he plays as well as he can play, I think he will lead this team in scoring. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And you can bet the Canucks power play will be in the top five again. And yeah. uh, the, the one thing that I would hope somewhere along the line is that Elias uh, gets better at face-offs. And yeah. you don't have to make sure that you've got a winger who can take draws out there with him, that he can do well enough that, uh, the wingers just play the wing. Yeah, I mean that, that's a, a part of his maturation as as, a, as one of those top players for this team. And you know, obviously, you mentioned Thatcher Demko being such a big cornerstone for this squad. And if they're going to go anywhere this year, it's going to be with him. And you know, it was interesting listening to him yesterday. Not only did he did he kind of you know correct himself and say when we make the postseason after saying if we make the postseason. The other thing he mentioned was despite the fact that he got a lot of accolades from fans and media, and we gave him lots of credit, he wasn't ready to put himself into the conversation as one of the best goal these in the National Hockey League and that's really something he wants to establish this season what do you think of that mindset and, and what should we expect from Thatcher oh I think he's going to be there I, I don't think there's any doubt and he's been working with Ian Clark uh, for a while now uh, before camp and so he's going to be ready when the season starts uh, I think Thatcher is is got the mindset and has the ability to be in the top five year after year after year and you guys know, and I watched all those games last year, and uh, when the Canucks turned it around, a lot of it had to do with uh, Thatcher being that much better than he was at the start of the season. And you remember back when the penalty killing was um, at 60% or whatever it was for the first month and a half, and Thatcher wasn't as good as he was in the second half, the second three quarters of the season. And, but once he got it going and all of a sudden the penalty killing went from 60% to 80% and the chances that the Canucks gave up 
uh, game after game after game. And you, you'd sit and you're watching. It, Thatcher could have been a star in every game that I did, and I did most of the games. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, okay, uh, Shorty and I are picking the three stars, and are we going to pick Thatcher again? <laughs> yeah, Let's just pick him to... every night. Gigi you can't go wrong. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> uh, before we let you go, uh, what do you make of the whole Bo, Bo Horvat uh, situation being unsigned and the teams, you know, is not committing one way or, or another, Bo saying all the right things? Uh, do you think this this is going to be a distraction? No, no, I don't. I, I don't think it's going to be a distraction, but I don't know whether they're going to be able to get Bo signed. Uh, at the terms they want. Yeah. Uh, it's, Bo is, is such a good character and a good leader, and uh, you, you talk to him, and uh, it's not a distraction for him, so I don't think it'll be a distraction for the team. Uh, when it's a distraction for the player, then it becomes a distraction for the team. But uh, with Bo and his background and uh, his entourage, I don't think it will become a distraction. But I don't, and I know, Sat, you were talking about that you heard the numbers were in the fives starting with for both. Yeah, Frank Cervalli reported that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's that's not going to happen. No, it's not happening. Yeah, it, that's uh, I yeah. I would think it's got to be in the sevens. Yeah, I'm with you. I and mean, uh, taking market, a market value is at least seven for both, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know whether it's going to happen or not, but I don't think it's going to be a distraction. Uh, just because of the way Bo is. Yeah. Uh, Cheech, I'm sorry, but uh, Jose Barrios is, is not doesn't have his best stuff tonight. So no, are... I know. I know. Come <laughs> him on. or Stripling. I, I was thinking, can they hook him in the first inning? Yeah. It was just, you know, and I'm a big baseball fan, as you, as you know. Uh, the one that bugged me the most was the Blue Jays are cruising along in, in one of the games last week, and they hit into a triple play with a little soft line drive. Yeah. Chapman hits it. Uh, Guerrero's on second, looking great at the shortstop. He gets doubled off. Okay, that might happen. But then uh, Bo is on first base, and he gets tippled off. A yeah. triple play against on a little line. That was, oh, bug me so much. Being the Ontario <laughs> baseball champion when I was 13 years old, I, <laughs> that would never happen to me with the Frankfurt Bat of Braves. Ah, uh, Cheech, you're, you're the best. Star. You're a star, Cheech. <laughs> we appreciate the time as always. Okay, talk to you later. Uh, there he is, John <laughs> Garrett, the best. <laughs> I love that he's that upset about a play that happened last week. Last week. Uh, not even about this game. No. But last week's game. As Barrios uh, melts. Just any time it looks like Barrios is turning a corner, it's yeah. like he just like runs into a horrible start. Ross Stripling starting game three of the yeah. uh, wild card series. Well, first yeah. Get there. Make sure you get there. <laughs> Make sure you get there. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll say this uh, on the Jays. You're going to be able to listen to them potentially yes. come back on the Tampa Bay Rays as we'll be uh, sending you down to St. Pete to Tropicana Field for that game. Still just in uh, the – well, they're heading to the third inning now after uh, Barrios has given up uh, three in each of the first two innings. If you're listening on podcast, you probably don't care about this. But I will – close on uh, one final thing about Bo Horvat sat, which for our listeners uh, may not seem all that surprising, but um, Pierre Lebrun is now reported that uh, there's a sizable gap between where the Canucks and Horvat's camp believe the number should be in a contract pact. 
So that's there. And the possibility of trading Horvat mm-hmm. is also there if there is nothing done ahead of the trade deadline. Yeah, well, I mean, the Canucks have kind of spelled this out for everybody yeah, already. Yeah, and even recently, Rutherford, when asked, did mention that, or Alpina, I think, mentioned, I forget who, somebody, one of them mentioned recently mm-hmm. that... In the many preseason training interviews uh, they've done. Yeah, it's the same situation with Bo as it was with Miller, as it was with Tyler Mott and those players. They're not in a position to let free agents walk for nothing. Mm-hmm. What does that mean, that they're trading them? No, it just means that by the deadline, if you're not signed, you're probably getting traded because we can't let you walk for nothing. So that, uh, if it plays out that way, it's going to be a fascinating season for the Vancouver Canucks. It will be fascinating either way. We'll have uh, more on training camp tomorrow. Day two, uh, we'll get going. We'll be on from 3 to 6 p.m. live. And, of course, it's a Friday, so we will have a mailbag. Ooh. Be tuning in for that. And, Sat, we'll probably have some angry Cleveland Browns thoughts hey, as well. Hey, they're winning tonight. <laughs> For producer Josh Elliott Wolf, my co host Satyar Shah, I'm Dan Richo. We're taking you to Tropicana Field, Blue Jays and Tampa Bay Rays next on Sportsnet 650.